This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. Well, we've been watching the news as we do every day. I, I really keep an eye on all financial news, and a lot, unfortunately, I have to keep an eye on political news, too, which I don't really care for. But um, you have to because it affects the financial news, it affects the markets. It's always churning, always changing, always going in different directions, but we got to keep up with it. Now, fortunately, I like keeping up with the financial news. That's enjoyable to me. And, of course, there's always those different things at play, pushing the market around. And I'm hoping you're listening to this show to try to get some unbiased opinion and guidance about what's going on in the news. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you'll give me a call because you really drive the show to your advantage, to wherever you want it to go. You shape it. You know, uh, as long as it's financial, I'm on board with you. So remember, our goal here in Investock is to help you achieve that, you know, elusive goal of financial freedom. And that means, you know, we want to make you a better investor. It's simple as that. And we can do that by, you know, partaking in an independent thinking philosophy to share success with everybody. So how do we do that? How do we get there? Well, you drive the show. You help us. What's interesting to you is interesting to a lot of other people. Maybe not the individual stock picks, because not everybody wants your stocks or you think about it, but at least I, I'm going to try to move that think that's individual stock pick of yours to a broader thinking and try to help everybody with that, with my analysis of that stock. Okay? So today and this hour, let's go ahead and move to that financial freedom goal. And to do that, I need you to call. You can call our listener line right now, 888-99-CHART is the number, 888-99-CHART. And I got some news, some good news, hopefully, for those people living in New York City. I will be in there in person again to conduct my no-cost portfolio review consultations, and I have extended it to two days again, the 7th and 8th. It's Thursday and Friday, 7th and 8th of November. And I will let you know that this will probably be the last one of the year. Because we're moving into the holidays, I don't go. I don't set up these appointments during holidays, uh, mostly because a lot of people are busy, such as so him as me with the holidays. So this will be the last two appointments in New York this year. Now I just opened up the eighth, and I have uh, you know it's already starting to fill up. So you know that's only two weeks away, two weeks. So make sure if you want to set up an appointment to meet with me or learn more about how to register and meet with me, you do that by going to investtalk.com. Just send us an email, okay? Send us any information you can provide, and we'll we'll, we'll start the process. Remember, only two weeks away, so you got to be pretty quick about it. My main talking point today concerns a story about corporate buybacks, which are plummeting as companies tighten cash outlays amid global slowing. So, buybacks are, are squeezing. They're not nearly as much as they were. How bad? How much will that affect the market? Remember, when companies buy back their stocks, they drive the stock prices up by those buybacks because they're one of the people in the market pushing stocks around. 
stock prices around anyways. So we're going to take a look at what, what's happening there. Also, I got to, I want to talk about a couple other things. Um, existing home sales for September. We came out with that. You know, the home sales are very, very important to our economy because it tells us something about the consumer and how healthy they are. Uh, earnings. 25% of the S&P 500 will repeat, report this week earnings for the last quarter. 25% of them in one week. So we want to just maybe talk about that a little bit. Are we too pessimistic about the market or not pessimistic enough? Well, well let's talk about that. I, I, you know, Maybe we are one or the other. We have to make that decision, right? That's our job. So anyways... Maybe we'll get to a couple other things I have here. For some reason, I got about five or six different things to talk about, but it might be way too optimistic of me to get to them. The market was down today. The Dow's down 40, the Nasdaq down 59, and the S&P down 11. It was up yesterday, down today. Earnings are going to be, you know, probably the driving force, of, if anything, but. You know, because we already have the news about the partial agreement in with China, which to me was not a lot there. But we have that, uh, and that's kind of built in. So and what else is going to drive the market? Earnings probably will. So we'll talk about those. Um, again, the market was down today. I, I don't think it was down much. I don't think it's going to be up much, but it's going to be individual stocks are going to be driven by their earnings reports, which are hot, hot and heavy the, uh, starting this week. Okay, let's go to Patrick in Santa Clara. Talk to him first. He wants to talk about EGO, which is uh, Alorado Gold Corp. How you doing, Patrick? I'm good, uh, Steve. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, what do you so, want to know about? Uh, my question is, um, what are your thoughts uh, on long-term uh, growth uh, prospects for that company? Well, this is the Eldorado Gold Corporation. It's a Canadian company acquiring, ex exploring, and producing gold properties in Turkey, China, Brazil, Romania, Greece. You know, so it's a $1.2 billion company, so it's a small-cap company. They're going to make $0.18 cents a share this year and $0.84 cents a share next year. It's a $7.69 stock. So based on that valuation alone, it's pretty inexpensive. The stock for the last two months have coming down. It was $10 a share, now it's $7.69. And Patrick, to be perfectly honest, I think it's a buying opportunity. Do you think, I, I think gold is moving up. I mean, I think it's going to move up. Uh, it has moved up all this year. This stock is, was down to $3 at the beginning of the year, $3 a share. Now it's 7 So it's already had a big move, but it's fallen back from its high of around $10 a share two months ago. So the question is, is that a pullback to get you in or is that a pullback to get you out? I think it's a pullback to get you in because I think gold's going higher. I think the dollar... The dollar, which has been moving up all year, right, has finally started to fall down in the last month, and gold has gone up all year with the dollar, which is very unusual. Usually, the dollar goes down, gold goes up. And here we are last month or so in October, for the month of October, dollar's gone down, and has gold gone up? Not really. <laughs> so, it's been a very odd situation, but I do think... 
with the weakness of the dollar, that supports gold prices. And I think Alderada Gold, this particular stock, EGO, has oversold. And I think it's going to bounce. So I think it's a good time to buy it. Okay, Patrick? Appreciate the call. It's a cheap stock based on earnings. So you listen to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And if you live or work in Southern California, I encourage you to feel free to contact me or Justin so you can make an appointment and visit us in Irvine, in our Irvine, California office. And we can review your portfolio and help you get, you know, get it optimized. So call us anytime or make a reservation through investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-427. Let's talk to Kyle Walnut Creek. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Steve? I'm great, and I appreciate the call. So I got like a hypothetical. I'm not sure this is a good question, but so I just got like a $5,000 sure. bonus from work. I'm kind of wondering, should I like Congratulations. Get into more into stocks? Um, should I like maybe go into like gold or an alternative or should I pay off high interest credit cards? Boy, that's a, that's a loaded question. Generally speaking, generally speaking, you would pay off high interest credit cards. You want to get rid of that because of the high interest. For instance, if you're paying what, how much are you paying? 17%, 14% on the credit card, Kyle? Yep, around there, a few different ones. Okay. Okay, so so for us, for you to make it worthwhile, you have to make 14 or 17% on your investment, okay? Because you're paying 14, 17%. Just to break even, you're going to make 14 or 17% on the money. So generally, I tell people you need to pay off that high interest credit card. You got to get out of that cycle of paying huge amounts of cash to the credit card companies, because they love it when you when you don't when you have that pay. So my first response would be pay off that high credit card debt. My second response is well you need to start to save for retirement. So you need to maximize your IRA, your 401k to try to because that's money you don't have to pay income tax on, right? So you're saving not paying income tax on that money. And how much is your income tax rate? So Kyle, what you're really asking is, what's the best use of this bonus money of $5,000? What's the best use? And generally speaking, the best use is to pay off high interest credit cards. The second best use is to put it in a retirement account so you don't have to pay taxes on that $5,000 that you just earned. So, you know, those are the two things that you kind of focus on. And depending on your tax bracket and, uh, you know, do you have a mortgage and do you own a house and do you have write-offs there? That's about the only write-off there is. You know, there's other questions. But everything being equal, pay off the high credit card debt first. Everything being equal. Thanks for the question. It's a good question, Patrick. No question is bad it's a good question and that is a particularly good question what to do with you know the money the that you got you know what do you do with that i mean that's a good question you listen to invest talk everybody
appreciate you doing that. Let's take a quick look at some of the key benchmarks. Gold was priced at $1,491 per ounce. So off of the $1,500, it was up to, but it's still holding its own. It's still up there pretty well, and we'll see. Two-year treasury, 1.62%, paying that's what it pays in a two-year, and a 10-year is 1.796. So it was up. Uh, the interest rate. So that's a normal yield curve. We like it to stay that way. Remember, it got inverted a few a month or so ago, which is a bad sign. Oil was at $54 per barrel uh, off its recent lows, but up from $2 from yesterday. Regular grade gasoline, still about $2.64 a gallon across the country, except here in California, where it's $4.13. And I love it. Our governor says he wants the state attorney general to look into why it's so much in California. Why is a dollar more here in California than it is everywhere else? Well, I can tell you pretty easy. Some of the reasons, number, how about you? we have a huge amount of tax. You just increased the tax on it by 12, 13 cents this year. Per gallon. How about that? How about that we have special blends in the summer that everybody else doesn't have to worry about? So all the refineries have to change just to supply California with their gas in the summer. Then they got to change back in the winter. That's stupid and costs a lot more money for them as they pass that cost over on to us. How about this? How about we haven't approved a refinery, a new refinery yet ever in what, 30, 40 years in California? How about we don't even allow our, in California anybody to drill for fracking there that we have in, so there's lots of reasons why it's expensive here. But go ahead, spend a lot of our money on get the Attorney General to look at it. <laughs> but it's recent, it's easy. Just right off the top of my head, I could tell you some common sense reasons why it is. But that's just common sense. We don't want to use that. <laughs> Anyways, on the next invest talk, due to escalating traffic tariffs and weakening demand, the International Monetary Fund, IMF, has predicted that the Chinese GDP gross domestic product will grow slower next year, 5.8% for 2020. That would be the lowest in, what, 20, 30 years. That's tomorrow here on Invest Talk. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Here's good news for listeners in the New York area. Steve Peasley is making appointments for his in person and no cost portfolio review consultations. Steve will be in New York City on Thursday, November 7th, and Friday, November 8th. Is your portfolio performing at its full potential? For best times, register now and learn more at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's talk to uh, Brian in San Francisco. How you doing, Brian? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. No problem. No yes, problem. Yes, go ahead, Brian. Uh, so I was calling about uh, the stock Splunk. I think it's S-P-L-K is the ticker. Uh, it is. I've been owning the stock um, on and off. It's one of the first stocks I ever bought. Um and it's a uh, they do data data analytics. They do it for a lot of large companies like Nike. Um, mm-hmm. And 
and uh, I just wanted to know what your thoughts are on the company. Um, I've been just buying and selling every time it goes high, um, and I want to know if I should just buy it for the long haul or what your thoughts are. Well, it's a it's a good, very good growth company. It's, it's already a seventeen billion dollar company, so it's pretty big size. And it's growing sales 30 to 40% per quarter and consistently doing that every quarter for two years or more. So it's a very good growth company because it also makes money. It's The last time it lost money was 2014 where it lost three cents a share. And since then, it's made nine cents a share, 18 cents a share, 35 cents a share, 96 cents a share, $1.33, $1.91. And next year, it's going to make $2.38 a share. That is a really good trajectory, Brian. Company is really solid. And as I said, it's growing sales 33 cents. So therefore, it's been so dynamic growth, of course, it's expensive, right? It's not going to be cheap. It's $110 a share now to buy it. So and $2.38 next year. So you're saying, well, that's a what? 50, 50 plus PE. That's expensive. But not when you compare it with the yeah. growth rate. If it can continue to do that growth rate, yeah, that's a pretty reasonable price. So I think I, if I were you, I buy it and hold on to it. I would just buy and hold on to it. It is, what does it do? Make software that enables organizations to search, correlate, analyze, monitor, report on data in real time. So that's very that's an area that everybody likes. You know, as far as investing, and because it's just a growth area, so I think I'd just buy and hold it. If I were you, not worry about it so much. As long as it keeps that growth rate up, it's going to continue to to do what it's been doing. You know, it's gone sideways here, down since March. I mean, it peaked in March, one hundred forty dollars, and here it is one hundred ten. But sales all that long time, all those quarters in between, those two three quarters, still growing at 30, 35, 40 percent. Earnings are still going up. Stock prices finally slowed down, but I think it might be an opportunity just to buy it here and just hold it. That's my opinion, Brian. Good luck with it. SPLK is the symbol. Let's go to James in uh, Sonoma. How you doing, James? I was just up there in Napa Valley a couple weeks ago, so how you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, mid-80s up here. It's beautiful. This is why I live here. Um, I'm calling on uh, PFSR. Um, this is a, uh, a uh, preferred stock, uh, preferred ETF, mm-hmm. but it's prime. It's REITs, and I have three questions for you. Right. First, you guys consider um, uh, preferred stocks uh, fixed income. I'm light on fixed income. The second question is, how do uh-huh. you feel about this particular investment? Since it hasn't been around too long, it's only like a year, year and a half old. And third, right. assuming the economy goes downhill in 2020, 2021, how do REITs typically act? Uh, I, I would think they'd hold up better just because of the interest rate. Those are my three questions. Okay, sure. Okay, let's say um, uh, preferreds. Uh, ETFs, this is an ETF, PFFR. It's called InfraCap REIT Preferred. It's an ETF seeks investment results corresponding to the performance of the InfraCap REIT Preferred Stock. REIT meaning Real Estate Investment Trust. So it's related into real estate. I need to see what this particular index falls follows. I'm not sure. But we do know if it's a REIT, it's somehow invested in real estate. Okay? In one way or another. Pays a 5.6% dividend yield. So that's pretty good. Um, and I think that, you know, um, preferreds, 
are a pretty healthy place to be and you know they are somewhat like a bond so they tend to not go down with stock market tend to but they still are related but it's a REIT remember it's a REIT real estate investment trust so it's probably going to be more related to what happens in the real estate market okay so we need to find out what kind of REIT and how is it related this particular index in the real estate market is it related to the actual properties what kind of properties you know this does this index this REIT index follow I think that's more important than preferred but since it says it's preferred it has to be you know some way related to paying preferred a preferred bond type of yield so it's 5.6 percent so i can't answer all the questions specifically because i don't know what what index how that index is constructed so maybe i'll look it up and see if i can find out real quick appreciate the call thank you Okay, uh, we have to break here in just a minute. Can you name two 2019 IPOs that have done very well and two IPOs that have proved so far to be horrible investment? If you have an answer, I, I'll, have an, I'll have an answer or next on the Invest Talk as soon as we come back. 888-99-CHART is our number. From sunrise to sunset. Have a question about gold and silver. From dusk till dawn. So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming. I have a question about symbol STLD. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay Area. This is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. Invest Talk listeners have one objective financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. I have started investing. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand the the language and what to look for. Thank you very much. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That's our number. Caught me right in the middle of swallowing. Sorry about that. Okay, before the break, I asked a trivia question. Can you name two companies, two 2019 IPOs that have done very well and two IPOs in 2019 that have proved to be bad, a horrible investment so far? Here's my answer. In 2019, there have been over 100 IPOs. Did you know that? This is what I mean when I say IPOs generally are not very good. For investors, because most of them trade within six months way below their IPO price. But there's a hundred of them, but you only hear about the big ones, right? That's all we hear about. The IPOs that have been good, very good, excellent, bad, and very bad, depending on which IPO you look at. So let's take a look. The good one, Pinterest is up 38%. Pinterest. The very good one, CrowdStrike. 
up 89%, and Zoom video up 140%. Okay, the most, the best one though, Beyond Meat, that's up 542%. And those are the ones you hear about. How about the bad ones? Well, one of the big bad ones is Peloton, you know, the exercise equipment, declined nine by 9%. Very bad, Smile Direct Club, down a whopping 39%. What about the two most anticipated and supposedly most in-demand deals of the year? Well, we're talking about Uber. 8.1 billion deal was the largest IPO since um, Alibaba in 2014. And the largest IPO of the U.S. company since Facebook, which happened in 2012. But it promptly dropped by 8% on its first day. And to date, Uber has fallen 29% since its IPO. Do you know why? It's pretty simple. Are they ever going to make money? That's why. It's in doubt whether they'll ever make money. What about Uber's rival, Lyft? It went public at the end of March, and it too has disappointed. What do Justin and I tell you about IPOs? In most cases, it can't be very, it can be, it is, and usually is, very risky to jump in early. Many of these IPOs, they, when it gets popular like it were in 2019, many of them don't have much prayer making money. Why would you invest in something that's not going to make money? Okay, my main talking point concerns the financial story. Corporate buybacks are plummeting as companies tighten cash outlays amid global slowing. Global slowing. During full year 2019, the expectation that the S&P 500 cash spending will drop by 6% on IPOs, on, on buybacks. And that's the sharpest decline since 2009. So this is a warning by Goldman, Goldman Sachs. They're supposed to be, quote, unquote, the smartest people on the street, but sometimes they're not too smart. So, so don't necessarily always believe them. Uh, but buybacks, are, you know, have been pretty much supporting the market quite a bit for the last 10 years, okay? According to Goldman Sachs, spending, buyback spending slowed by 18% to $161 billion during the second quarter. And the firm anticipates that slowdown to continue. During the full year 2019, they expect, for the, this is for the S&P 500 companies, by the way, the decline will be about 6%, as I said. And that's pretty sharp, pretty steep. Uh, okay, now, what they suggest, and which, of course, if you've ever listened to this show any length of time, they suggest buying companies that have high dividend yields stocks. Now, I did. I like that too. You've heard me talk about that many, 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 many times in the last couple of years. And um, that's, I think, where you should go. You know, uh, think about this. You, why would you go to treasuries? I just told you at the beginning of the show, a two-year pays 1.62%, and a 10-year, for 10 years, you get 1.72%. Why would I buy that when I can buy a big telephone company that pays 5% or more right now? Well, most people would tell me, well, there's no risk in the 10-year treasury or the two-year treasury. Correct. There is no risk because it's got backed by government. And there is risk buying a big telephone company. But the if, you're, if I, we're talking about the two largest telephone companies, how much risk is there? When they are, Have they ever cut their, their dividends? Have they ever? And when? 
How much? How stable is that five point plus percent, whatever they're paying? Very stable. So, you know, why would you want to go through? Of course, you'd buy high dividend paying stocks. I mean, that's what, I mean, I, to me, that's not anything to even worry about. Just how much of your portfolio should be made up of all these types of stocks. And that's a whole nother risk evaluation and, you know, quite questions you need to ask yourself. You know, what kind of investor you are? I don't know. Maybe you want growth, not dividends. Maybe you want both. Well, okay, let's grab another uh, call that came in earlier. This concerns uh, universal life insurance. It came in, uh, what, a couple days ago? 888-99-CHART is the number. Hi, Steve. I'm calling with a question about my universal life insurance policy. I have about 10000 in it, and I'm trying to see what the best way of being done with that policy, pulling the money out if it's possible, so that I can get into a term and then start investing the difference. This is something I started when I was a little younger and uh, didn't do or know much about investing. If you have some tips for me, I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. Okay, first of all, you know, we're talking about universal life insurance and whole life insurance. Uh, those are two types of insurance that have uh, two components. One component is the life insurance itself. So if you die or and you name, name a beneficiary, they get the life insurance benefit. And it's also an investment, quote unquote, an investment. Okay, uh, I don't like that investment part at all. Okay, um, the 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 uh, investment part that grows. So they take your premium, part of that premium goes for the life insurance and part of it goes to the investment and you get to buy uh, mutual funds. Uh, usually there's a number of mutual funds you get to pick from and there you go. Well, you could do that outside that. You don't need the insurance company to do that. And how they try to sell it to you, they sell it to you in different ways. They tell you it's an investment and they tell you it's tax tax deferred or you know there's benefits there are different various benefits which you know yeah some some of it's true some of it's not we just yeah you know, I don't want to get into that but the best way to get out of it is first call them up and say I'd like to cash this out and how much would my cash policy be worth how much cash do I get net because you want to know if you're going to be responsible for any taxes or any penalties or anything like that. Usually there is no penalties in a universal life a whole life. There is with annuities if you cash it early, but not with universal life whole life usually. But you kind of remember these are insurance contracts. It's with insurance company. And they could say anything they want. You signed it. You agreed to whatever it was. But so the first question is call them up. Say, how much is my policy worth? What kind of check? How much will I get in a check? See, that's really what you want to know because they, you know, after taxes, after whatever expenses they're going to put on it, then you have to decide. Well, is that worth it? And to be honest, I, I always, I always think it's worth. It. I think if you need life insurance, you go buy a whole life. I mean, not whole life, but a term life, and you buy the policy you need for a set period of time for a set amount, and it's really cheap, and you're done. And the rest of the money that you're going to put in a universal life or a whole life, you put that money in the market and just put it in an index fund. You'll be way ahead of the game after 10, 20, 30 years if you do it that way. Anyways, so call them up. Ask them how much it's worth and then tell them you want to cash it out if that's your decision. Okay? And that, tell them, don't let them tell you how much it's worth on paper. You want to know what kind of check you're going to get. 
because, you know, sometimes they take expenses out and fees that they don't tell you about when they tell you how much it's worth. Okay. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experience. You know, hopefully, and hopefully, we'll provide that to you. I, we do have. I am unbiased, and I do have experience. So, I also consider you to subscribe to our KPP Premium Newsletter. I write it every Friday. Comes out every Friday. Uh, in the newsletter, you'll get a you know very um, I think very good valuable information on the week's market analysis of them what happened this week. I have a portfolio management guidance section, stock ideas section. I'll give you two stock ideas a week, and each Friday um, I share some of the parts, the highlights of the newsletter. So if you want to subscribe, go to investtalk.com. Investtalk.com. So two T's in the middle there. I'm ready to take your questions, 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk. Here's good news for listeners in the New York area. Steve Peasley is making appointments for his in-person and no-cost portfolio review consultations. Steve will be in New York City on Thursday, November 7th and Friday, November 8th. That's right. Due to strong demand, Steve has added a second date in New York. Is your portfolio performing at its full potential? Steve can show you how to get it optimized. For best times, register now and learn more at investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Anytime listener lines are open and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Sri at Fremont. How are you doing, Sri? Hi, Steve. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Thank you. I have a question regarding uh, 401k. So currently right now at my work, I have, uh, I think I'm invested in a traditional 401k. So, but Mm -hmm. my coworker, he's investing it on a Roth 401k. So I know one of them right. is pre-tax and the other one is tax. So which one yes. do you think, in your opinion, is best to go with? Okay, um, that's a very good question because, uh, you know, it's the same question with Roth IRAs and regular IRAs, the same kind of tax treatment. Uh, and it's all about taxes. So uh, if it's a Roth, they're going to tax you on the money that you put in there. If it's a regular IRA or 401k, they don't tax you on that money, so you get the tax break now. Generally speaking, the younger you are, the less money you make, the less the lower tax bracket you're in. You know, so you don't have to pay a lot of taxes anyways. So uh, it may not necessarily be better to put in a Roth. Mathematically, they have been shown to be about the same as far as growth over the years. I like you to have both, really. That's what my preference is, to have a Roth and a regular. Um, I don't know if they allow that. And the reason why I want both is, so what I'm saying, you could do a Roth this year and then a regular next year and then back to the Roth, you know, depending on what your tax bracket is. And if you want the write-off now or don't care about that write-off. And the reason why I want both is I like in retirement when you're forced to take money out of your regular 401k or IRA, you know, you you got those required minimum distributions at age 70 and you don't know what your income tax bracket will be. If you had both, you could live off 
each take a little bit from whatever is the most tax advantage to keep you in the lowest tax bracket when you get old. So, you know, that you get you have some freedom there. And that's one of the main reasons why I like both. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that say, well, the younger you are, the, use the Roth because you have a lot longer to grow the money. Well, that same is true. Same is true with a regular, but they're saying, but you get to put more in the Roth. You get to put more, you know, you know it, but it doesn't really, as far as math, it really is comes out pretty much the same. It really does. So it doesn't really matter to me, but I like to have both. Just my, my thinking. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. You are talking about insurance Thank products you. a little bit earlier on. I had a question about something. I think it's pronounced MIGA, M-Y-G-A, a multi-year guaranteed annuity. Is it, a, is it an alternative to a multi-year CD, my understanding? Uh, yeah, it's an annuity. You know, uh, these insurance companies come up with new products all the time, and that one is a fairly new one, multi-year guarantee annuity. So they just, you know, it's a it's an annuity, and it's a guarantee. They've had those forever. This is just a new way of presenting it to you. What they what they generally speak, what they generally do is they guarantee you a return. Okay, I, I don't think this, I don't remember, there's two kinds of basic categories of annuity. There's a fixed annuity and a variable annuity. A fixed annuity is a guaranteed return, multi-year guaranteed return. They'll say, we'll pay you 3% a year, 5% a year, whatever it is. That's the guarantee. And, and now they're kind of trying to make a hybrid. A, a variable annuity is you just invest in mutual funds and whatever you get, you get, right? It grows or it doesn't grow. It depends on what the market does. But they want this hybrid now. They're going to guarantee you. And most of them say, we'll never let your investment go below the amount that you invested. So if you put $100,000 in the annuity, we guarantee you will never lose a dime. That sounds pretty attractive. And what they do is, yeah, well, I guarantee we never lose a dime, but they do cap the returns on the upside so that you will never make a lot of money either. But it depends on the contract. These are insurance contracts by insurance companies, and they're contracts. They're, they're not standardized. They're not like, oh, this one does the same as all the others. No. You have to read what they say or what the guarantee is. So they make little changes to them all the time. So I don't know what this particular one you're talking about will do because they're different. But read the fine print, Gene, because that's how they get you. Appreciate it. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. And, of course, our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, due to escalating tariffs and weakening demand, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, is predicting that China's gross domestic product will grow slowly in 2020. That story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Mike from Nevada. I'm uh, calling about gold miners versus gold index. Uh, wanted to see what your thoughts are on that since uh, looks like a trade deal has tentatively gone through. Wanted to get the outlook for gold in the future. Uh, looking to purchase some of it. Thank you. 
Well, gold is always difficult because there's no way really to evaluate it. You can't say gold is worth this much in dollars. It's not like a stock where earnings come in and you can relate the earnings to of the company to the price of the stock. Gold is just the price of the gold. It's what people think it's worth. Okay, and what drives then? Then you have to go. Well, what drives gold up and down? Well, inflation. The dollar, the direction of the dollar, inflation, war, fear, those are things that drive gold prices up or down. So, in the last two months, gold has been coming coming slowly down off its high, but it's had a very good run. So, really, what it's probably doing is consolidating. So, what drives gonna, what's going to drive it? Well, if you have the deal with China, that is likely to make the dollar stronger and gold to go up. But are we going to have inflation? See, that's really the question. Are we actually going to have some inflation someday? And most people think that there's going to be some inflation sometime, uh, but we don't see any runaway inflation, which would really spike gold up. Um, most people feel that the dollar is overvalued at this point. I think it is. And the dollar's actually fallen in the last month, but the gold didn't go up because of it. So it's not a perfect, you know, gold goes up and dollar goes down. And dollar goes up, the gold will go down. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect relationship. So it's very difficult to know. No one really knows where it's going. I happen to feel that it probably will have one more leg up. Um, but I'm not a, even though in one of our accounts we own a number of gold positions, I'm not a big gold bug. So, you know, I'd much rather buy a stock that pays a dividend or has sales growth, you know, that can justify the price of the stock. Gold, it's hard to, it's hard to evaluate. You just can't say it would be this. Has anybody looked at the VIX lately? The volatility index we used to talk about. I used to mention it quite often. And, um, I had a listener saying we haven't mentioned it in a while. So the VIX is at 1446. Remember the lows of the VIX, it ranges like 12 on up to, it will spike up to 40. And it was at 35, 36 at the height of the correction in December. The height of, it spiked up twice, or even you can call it three times almost, to the mid-20s, 22 to 24 twice, once in May, once in August. So it went from, Four, you know, 12 to 22, back down, back up. And that's where it is now. VIX moves up. That's called the volatility index. It's also called the fear gauge. If, if the stock market, there's a lot of fear, it will go up. So it's not showing a lot of fear right now. The market's not showing a lot of fear. And back in September, it peaked right in October 1st up to 20. Then and now it's back down to 14.46 today. So that's where that is. Okay, um, existing existing home sales, everybody, were down 2.2%. Why? Because it was limited inventory, not because there wasn't any demand. That So 5.38 million houses were up there for sale. 5.5 were for August. So September is 5.3, August is 5.5, down 2.2%. Uh, but even at 5.3, that's almost 4% higher from a year ago. And prices a year ago are 6% higher. We have 4.1 months of inventory, and that was a little bit more than it was in August. But that's tight. Normal inventory, about six months. So the housing market is still pretty tight. 
There's nothing there that says, oh, there's a problem. Not really. Not really. I haven't seen the problem yet. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but I don't think it will. Honestly, I think real estate's going to do fine because Fed lowering interest rates. Therefore, mortgage rates are going to have, they're pressuring downward on the mortgage rates, not upward, downward still. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I do appreciate you being with me today. Um, I will be here. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. Okay? And um, remember, tell your friends about and family members about our free download podcast. I wish, I wish, I do wish to increase my downloads. That's always great. You can go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Appreciate it. You can do that on investtalk.com. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.